G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. And joining us out of the UK from BT Sports is Adam Summerson. G'day, mate. How are you? Hello, mate. Good to talk to you. I'm really good, thanks. Yeah, yeah. I, I see you've uh, you've been preparing for the coming Serie A season by taking the family around Italy and visiting all the big grounds. I saw the photos from the San Siro. It looked impressive. It was amazing. Yeah, it really was fantastic to do it because you actually get to walk past the dressing rooms part of the tour. The tour's you're basically really allowed to just roam as you like and stay as long as you like in the stadium. It's not guided or anything like that. So you can go in and you walk past the dressing rooms and then that takes you down down some steps and then you come up. As people who, who watch Italian football know you sort of, the players come up, if you like, out of the tunnel at, at San Siro. And yeah, when you come out, uh, they, they even play sort of piping crowd music so you feel like you're actually a player walking out. And Yeah, it's fantastic. I was like a little boy in a sweet shop, to be honest, when I was inside there, so... Yeah, great experience. Yeah, fantastic, mate. Fantastic. Well, we should we should talk about the coming season. It kicks off this weekend, of course. Um, uh, and we go into the season with Milan as the reigning champions. Uh, their first Scudetto in over two, ten years, and they certainly weren't a favourite last year. But they they managed to stick by uh, everyone. I think everybody was quietly waiting for Inter Milan to catch up with them, and they never did. No, I mean, it really was a title race for the ages and it was fantastic that in the end it was the City rivals, uh, Inter and Milan, going for it. And there were just some, you know, there were, if you look back at the season, there were undoubtedly some real pivotal moments. I think Milan's comeback in the second derby of the season where Giroud was so influential, that was a key moment. But I think the one that ultimately, well, there were two in the final stages of the season that ultimately swung it was the goalkeeping error from the backup keeper, Radu of Inter, um, and then there was the goal from Tonali very late against Lazio at the Olimpico that won that game for them. And the, you know they were the key moments. But Milan's defence won them the title in the end. I mean, the number of clean sheets they kept in the second half of the season was quite remarkable, really. I mean, they weren't a side flush with goals at all. Um, there was a real lack of creativity in that sort of um, central position behind the front man. Um, Brahim Diaz just didn't provide much output there. Rafael Leal, though, the player of the year in Italy, was fantastic on the left. And on the final day, they absolutely blitzed Sassuolo away from home. And he was the best player on the pitch. And ultimately, they've won the title. But I, I think Ricardo have probably got, I would say, a four-way, three, maybe four-way fight for the title this season with Inter, Milan, Juve and now Roma have probably mm. come into the equation with the business they've done in the window. Yeah, well, let's have a quick look at the business that AC Milan have done because uh, they have tried to rectify that lack of goals, haven't they? I mean, Divock Origi is, is one of, what, three or four attacking players that they've brought in? Yeah, I mean, Divock Origi has come on free from Liverpool and we all know from what we've seen of him, particularly as a super sub at Liverpool, what he's capable of. Yeah, he's probably going to start a lot more games at Milan, so it's going to be interesting to see, you know, can he have the same impact from the start of games? Because we haven't really seen him, particularly in the Premier League and in Europe. He was very often influenced from the bench, wasn't he? He scored some really big goals. So he comes in on a free. The really exciting one, the one they've been chasing all summer, is the Belgian uh, De Ketelada, who, who they've just bought in, Charlotte De Ketelada for 
from uh, Belgian football, a Belgian international, young, promising player. Can play in lots of different positions. He can play as a centre-forward. He can play in that position I was just talking about there, behind the centre-forward, where there's a lot of creative responsibility. He can, if, if asked, play off to the, the wide as well. But primarily, I think they'll be looking for him to play in that, what in English football you might refer to as the number 10 position. Um, and I think if they can get some decent output out of him there, it could make a really big difference for them. But I still think they, they need to strengthen on the right-hand side. They've been looking at Ziyech, who's one of the players that they've been looking at all summer. That seems to have gone a little bit quiet, but it's certainly on that right-hand side where I feel as though if they want to kick on, if they want to defend their title, if they want to get past the Champions League group stage, that is certainly a weakness in the team that they really need to um, they really need to address. And I suppose as well, you could say with uh, Frank Kessie going to Barcelona, although I don't know if that even I don't even know if that's been registered yet. But <laughs> but with him leaving for Barcelona, I think they're probably a body light in the midfield, central midfield as well. Yeah, because uh, they've lost uh, Romagnoli as well. Is he has he gone to Lazio? I think. Yes. Yeah. The, the club he's always supported, which is a. a you know, a really good move for him. I think he'll be really excited to be at Lazio. Um, he used to go watch Lazio games when he was a kid, uh, born in Rome. Um, I think he came through Rome as youth system, bizarrely. But, yeah, so he's left. But the thing is with, with Milan, Ricardo, is that I think that they've got one of the most, probably most undiscussed, underrated centre-back, young centre-back partnerships in European football right now. I mean, Tamori and Kalulu were sensational in the second half of last season. Absolutely brilliant they were. Um, you think about it, Kalulu was signed for very little. Tamori was considered a punt, wasn't he, from Chelsea. Uh, and that's, that's been the sort of the profile of signing that's made me, brought Milan back to the top of Italian football. Their recruitment has been really good because they've not been spending lots of money on players, but they've been getting it right and they've been developing young players. I think they're, I think Tamori's 24 and Kalulu's 22, so they've got a lot of more room for growth as well. But right now, they're two of the best centre-halves, you could argue, on the evidence of last season in Italy right now. And I think they'll transfer that into European competition too. And they've also still got Zlatan, so of course nothing is, is beyond them. Um, at 41, that is, that is <laughs> an that is amazing story. Um, uh, what about yeah. their, their city rivals, Inter Milan? Uh, of course, they have lost a couple uh, in Vidal and Perisic. Of course, uh, they lost Sanchez, although I don't know how much of a loss he is. But they have got Lukaku back. Is it going to be enough? And is Lukaku an Antonio Conte player or an Inter Milan player? Do you, do you think that um, you know there's, he can perform for Inzaghi the way he did for Conte? Well, it's a great question because Conte, him and Conte were like the dream sort of managed coach player partnership. I mean, Conte had wanted to work with him for a long time. He, you know, he really gave him a lot of love as a coach. He, Lukaku knew how wanted he was and what a contrast then that happened at Chelsea. I think he always regretted Lukaku from very early on walking away from what he, what he had such a good thing into. The formation suited him. I know, you know, the coach suited him, albeit that, that, that then changed. Um, with with Conte leaving the club, but it's it's going to be really interesting to see whether Inzaghi can get the same output of him. And I know there are some people in Italy who are a little bit sceptical about that as to whether it will work as well. I mean, the one thing you would say is that it's a very similar system that the two coaches play, so that is very much in Lukaku and Inzaghi's favour. You know, it's really interesting because when I went to it, you just mentioned I've just come back from Italy. The first Italian I met was the cab driver who took me from the airport to our hotel in Milan. And he, I asked for it. I needed some Wi-Fi. So he said, link up with my phone. 
and his password was FC Inter. <laughs> so obviously I realised straight away he was an Inter fan. And the first question I said to him was, what about the return of Lukaku then? Are you pleased about that? And he said, oh, no, no, we're not pleased because he left us and that we, we don't want him back. And I thought that was really interesting. Mm. And I just wonder whether that is a, whether that is a sort of a, a fan opinion that is common or whether we'll find that uh, actually the majority wants him back. So that could be, you know, something that feeds into it, whether he is still as universally popular with the supporters as he was before, before he left. I think they felt a little bit shunned, a little bit disrespected by him, really, the way that, that things panned out. But I, I, the ability he's got, Ricardo, I'd be amazed if he doesn't score 20 goals this season. I think he's a fantastic player, and Chelsea just didn't use him to, to his strength. Now, uh, you know, Inter have been shedding players, right? They've been they've been trying to get the uh, the wage bill down for the owners. Uh, they don't really look to have brought in a whole heap. How do you think uh, they will cope with the loss of particularly Perisic, but also Vidal, who was you know great off the bench when needed to close out a match? Well, I think they already had their Perisic replacement in in the club who they signed in January, which was Robin Gosens, who's been one of the best players in that position in Italy with Atalanta for several years now. Um, I don't think he quite performed to the level many expected. He didn't really, I wouldn't say hit the ground running, but I fully expect that eventually, with Perisic now out of the way, so it's, he, he will make that position his own, you would thought. I, I would think that he will he will have enough to, to, to really um, kick on at, at internet. The one question mark is that he was playing for Gasparini, and there are a lot of people who, who say, be careful when you sign a Gasparini player, because... In his systems, they can perform much above perhaps their ability. And when they leave the, leave him and leave his club and leave his system, sometimes it doesn't quite work out as well as it did at that club. So that that is a note of caution on Robin Gosens. But I've seen enough of him for Germany as well to suggest that he is you know the real deal and, and will be absolutely fine there. And Vidal was somebody who didn't get a lot of minutes really I mean he, he was coming on here and there he certainly wasn't the Vidal of the Juventus days for instance there was nowhere near that level of influence so I, I think they would have been you know glad to get him off the wage bill if I'm honest because the amount of money he would have been earning as well would have been would have been quite hefty so yes I mean it, it's trimmed down in certain areas but the, the, I, I think the, a big two surprises for me have been transfers that haven't happened with Inter because they were the team who, who was thought would get Dybala. Mm. And that, that was almost considered a given at the start of the summer, and then they didn't, and then he's ultimately gone to Roma. And another deal that they were considered to be the front runners for was Bremer, the Brazilian centre-half. He was one of the best centre-backs in Italy last season, who's ultimately ended up at Juventus. So they were two players who many people thought would almost certainly end up at Inter and haven't. So that's that's interesting in itself. You just wonder, you know, is that to do as you've just alluded to with perhaps cutting cutting their cloth, or is that just they change their mind on those players? I think that maybe the Bremer move was reliant on Skriniar going to PSG, and that hasn't happened. So, yeah, it's maybe not been quite the window that a lot of Inter fans might have expected. But the big the big splash that they've made is Lukaku coming back. Yeah, indeed it is, and it's interesting you make that point because Roma and Juve are going to be title rivals, so they may have strengthened their title rivals at their own expense. Um, Juventus themselves have finished fourth the last two years uh, after the return of Max Allegri. They've they've got rid of a lot of players um, from last season. Dybali, you've mentioned, has gone. Bernadeschi's gone. Um, Chiellini and Delit have gone. Of course, Costa and Ramsey were sort of more fringe players, but they have gone as well. They've brought in Pogba, who's probably not going to be fit till 
who knows when, because uh, he's decided not to have that knee operation. Angel Di Maria, not a bad acquisition. And Bremer, the Brazilian centre-back. Uh, have they done enough business to cover what they've lost? I think a big concern right now, Ricardo, for Juventus supporters is the left-back position. I think that's somewhere that really needs addressing. Obviously, you know they've lost a, a really big player in Delict at centre-back. Now, Bremer has come in, and as I've said, he was one of the top centre-halves in Italy last season. A note of caution there, though, is that as good as he was, and he really was very good, um, he was playing in a back three. Now, he's going to be in a, in, a, in a two, probably, at Juventus, I would imagine. That's certainly the, the formation that they tended to play. They tended to play with a back four rather than a back three last season. So how he adjusts to that is something I'm quite interested to see. They've been linked today, and it's said to be very close to completing a deal for Kostic, the Frankfurt player who's been playing in a you know on a sort of a left wing back position for Frankfurt, who just won the Europa League. Now he's a very very good player, but it, it, it I find it quite curious Juve's transfer policy right now in that they're signing players who don't have a great lot of room for growth. You know, Kostic is 29. They've signed Pogba, who I think is a similar sort of age. Uh, they've signed Di Maria, who's in his 30s. So they're signing players that what you would feel is for the, for the now rather than, say, a Milan, who a lot of their transfers productivity has come from signing players of a lot younger age in their early to mid-20s with a higher ceiling of growth and then developing them. And making them, Rafael Liao is an example, Kalulu is another example, you know, players who they can then develop, make them better, and perhaps even potentially sell them on at a huge profit. So Juve are signing a lot of players who they need to, to really deliver right now, and if they don't, there's not a lot of, not going to make any money back on them, and they're on big wages as well, players like Di Maria and Pogba, so... You know, Bremer's an exception to that, but that that would be a worry for me uh, yeah. with Juventus right now. And, and I do think there is still a lot of, you know, there, there are positives with Juventus. I mean, Vlavic is, is going to get his first full season. We all know how good he is, although he didn't perhaps show just quite how good he can be in the second half of last season. But he's had a pre-season, he'll be more settled in now. Chiesa coming back from a long-term injury is huge for them. I mean, he's one of the best players in the league. So there are positives, but at the same time, Ricardo, I think if I were a Juve supporter, there would be areas of concern for me right now as well. How much pressure is Max Allegri in to, to get something other than fourth this season? Oh, yeah, big pressure. I mean, I, I, I would say that Juventus supporters, where you're bringing in names, and that's the thing, when you're bringing in names like Pogba and Di Maria, people expect you to be challenging. I mean, those players are on, as I've said, huge money. So you can't be bringing names like that in and, and floundering around towards, you know, fourth place. Uh, this is a Juventus who, you know, who dominated Serie A for a decade. They've had two seasons now where they've not been able to win the title. It's, it's about finish, it's about it's been about finishing in the top four. That's how far they've fallen. So yeah, I think Juventus fans will be looking at that and seeing these type of names come in. And Bremer is another one as well as good as he was last season. And they'll be saying, look, we've got to be challenging for the league now. There's no excuses if you're bringing in names of, of, of that caliber. So signing those players as well has a puts the pressure on even more. But Allegri's if Allegri doesn't start well this season, he'll be under huge pressure because there are a lot of Juve supporters who feel that his football is almost now has been usurped is that it, I mean is it, if you look on social media he's very often and I, I don't subscribe to this person I think it's a little unfair but you know the word dinosaur is used a lot to describe his football that that maybe his football you know five years ago might have been successful in Italy successful in Europe I mean this is a man who got them to two Champions League finals they lost them both but he got them to two so 
you know, he's a guy who's had a fair degree of success. I mean, there's, there's no questioning that. But it, a lot of Juve fans question whether his methods right now are good enough for the modern game and, and are good enough to win Serie A back. So he, he is, I wouldn't say he's on borrowed time necessarily, but he, is, he will be under a lot of pressure if they don't start the season well. He sounds like um, where he is currently in, in, in sort of the minds of Italian football fans, where Jose Mourinho was with English football fans a couple of years ago. Yeah, I think there's, there are. Yeah, you could draw some parallels there. Um, it's funny, isn't it? Because Mourinho, probably, if it was anywhere where Jose was going to be a success again, where he was still loved, where he was still respected and appreciated, it was Italy, wasn't it? From what he'd done with Inter. Um, and he hadn't gone back. And now you look at what he's doing at Roma, and I think it's really exciting, you know, for Roma supporters. Um, just won, obviously, one major silverware last season. People will sneer at the fact that it was sort of the third European trophy, but you can't underestimate how big a deal that was for Roma, a club that's had so little success uh, in the last 20 years. For, for him to win a major trophy, particularly a European one, I mean, the only European trophy that ever won was the Fairs Cup, which UEFA don't even recognise as an, an official trophy. So, you know, for him to win a, a UEFA trophy in his first season really is such a big deal. And, you know, the momentum that will have carried through from that is going to be really important for them this season. And for them to be saying, signing players like Dybala in particular, who it felt like the whole of Rome turned out to welcome when he did his unveiling. And if you've not seen the scenes from that, go and check it out because it's quite staggering, really. Uh, and he's also brought in Matic, who, yes, I know it underwhelmed in the Premier League, but I, I think that he could still have an impact in Serie A, particularly protecting what was a slightly vulnerable bat line last season. Yeah, the, the other players have, have come into the club as well. Vinaldum being the latest mm. one, who underwhelmed at PSG, but didn't get much in the way of opportunity. And there's every possibility he could get maybe closer back to his Liverpool form at, at, at Roma. So... I'd be really excited. I mean, the other thing as well is they've kept Zaniolo and everybody expected that if Dybala came in, Zaniolo would go. But he's still there and, and apparently they're expecting him to stay now. So you look at the forwards, players that they've got, Tammy Abraham, who had a brilliant first season in Italy, Dybala's come in, Zaniolo is still there. Behind them, you've got someone like Pellegrini, who's one of the best midfielders in Italy. I, really exciting, Ricardo, for me, for Roma. I, I don't think they'll win the league, but I, if they finish outside of the top four, that would be, with the players they've got now, that would be underachieving. Yeah, well, I was going to ask you, I mean, are they the favourites to, to round it? I mean, because we expect the two Milan clubs and Juve to be three of the top four. I mean, are Roma the favourites to be that fourth team then? Yeah, I think they are because, you know, Napoli were the, side who, the other side who were in the top four last season and, you know, they've lost a lot of, their established players over the summer. I mean, the latest one being linked with a move away. I don't. It might even be done. I haven't checked today, but Fabian Ruiz has been strongly linked with a move away from the club, and uh, he's had a really good few seasons there. Um, so they, they look to me. Napoli look like the team most vulnerable to dropping out of that top four. There's been a lot of change there over the summer. Yes, they have reinvested some of the money that they've made back. Um, but they're, they're players who, you know, they're basically not making an entire new team. But when you've lost names like like Koulibaly, like Mertens, potentially Fabian Ruiz, you know, these, these are really difficult players to replace, particularly when so many of them are going in one window. Mm. Um, you can't underestimate how influential Koulibaly has been at, at Napoli for several years now. So they're really, really going to miss him. That's a gaping hole at the heart of their defence. So 
I, I think for Napoli to finish, to be honest, in the in the Europa League places would be an achievement when I look at their their squad right now. And, and Roma are the hot favourites to take their place in the top four, I would say. You know, if they can have a really good season, Roma, who knows, they might even have a say in the title race. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they finished above Juve actually in third. You know, it, it's just really interesting and exciting that we've got these sort of four teams, I would say. And you could even, I mean, Fiorentina won't challenge for the title. I'd be amazed if they did. But even they're, they're an exciting story as well. You know, they've got back into Europe. They've signed someone like Jovic from Real Madrid. You'd expect them to win some big games and take some points off the big sides this season too. We don't know quite what we'll get from Atalanta, but they're another side who can cause problems on their day. So it's a really exciting league, Italy. Um, I can't wait for the new season to start. You can probably tell from my excitement, to be honest, <laughs> it's going to be a brilliant season. It is, mate. It's going to be a great season. Uh, yeah, and you mentioned a couple of clubs I was going to ask you about there in, in Fiorentina and Atalanta as well. But one that we haven't talked too much about is Lazio. Uh, they have got Romagnoli. Of course, they've picked up Luis Maximiano as well, uh, uh, Vicino and Cancelleri as well. So they've really strengthened. Um, they haven't lost too much. Can can they challenge for a Champions League place or do they just not quite have the quality? Yeah, I think they might still just be a little off it. But what they have got now, and this is so important for Lazio, is that they've had a full season of Sarri because... Sarri is a coach who actually doesn't really like the transfer market that much. He's not the type of, he's very unusual because he's not the type of coach who'll constantly be saying, oh, I, you know, I want this player, I want that player, or why haven't we done that? He did do it a little bit actually last season, but that shows how frustrated he must have been with the board because he's not the, really the type of manager who comes out demanding players and demanding transfer funds. He, he much prefers to coach the players he already has because his system is so important. Um, to the to the the team, and it takes time for it to bed in a long time actually. So the fact that they've had a full year with him, you, you remember from Napoli. I mean, his third year was where they played their best football, and some of the best football I've ever seen from any team in any league. Um, that's how good it was. So the fact that he's been there for a year now and is, is more established, that'll be a really big factor for Lazio. That continuity will be important. They probably have signed the profiles of players that they've brought in probably fit what he would want more as well and maybe he's, he's probably getting the squad more in the mould of players who he feels will suit his system and his tactics better so that's another positive for them but, but you, you you use the word quality and I still think that that is, that is probably still a, a little bit of a question mark and, and another big thing to watch is the end of the window with Milinkovic-Savic. Uh, it'll be so important for Lazio's season and for Sarri's tactics as well it's do if they keep Milinkovic-Savic that's a a huge difference between Lazio potentially challenging for the top four and probably falling away short because he's such an important player to them with his creativity, his physicality, his goals, his assists. I mean, this is a real, real top player in Serie A. You know, there's talk of Man United being linked with him today. I mean, I'd be surprised if that happened, but, you know, they, they really do have to keep him if, if they're going to have a chance of challenging for the top four. But, you know, Immobile is still there and we know he's almost guaranteed goals. You, you said about Romagnoli very capable centre half at this level so that the, there are there are positives for, for, for Lazio going forward but I think they probably will feel fall short of, of the top four Alright mate, well let's uh, just quickly touch on um, a story that could become uh, potentially a, a bit of a sideline, a bit of a, a for, for the season, 
and uh, that is the team that have been uh, promoted via the playoffs in Modena, um, who are owned, of course, by ex-Milan owner Silvio Berlusconi. What do you make of them, and uh, can they do a, a Brentford, for example, and, and, and stay up this season? <laughs> well, I mean, you, 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 I actually went past that. The tra- I got the train to a few places, and we went through Monza when, it, when we were in Italy with my kids, so it got me thinking about them, as you've just asked me there, and it's it's just a great story, isn't it? And you know the fact that um, you know those two men who had Galliani, uh, of, of course, was the effective. I think he was the CEO, wasn't he, of that uh, at Milan for so many years, uh, and the former president as well, Silvio Berlusconi, involved too. So um, I, I really don't know what to expect from them. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I know their squad inside out because I don't. Um, I haven't had a chance to look at it yet, but. I, I just think it's a fascinating story, isn't it? And what, what's it going to be like when they play Milan? Um, you know, that's going to be... It's, it's not far at all from, from Milan as well, so that's going to be something else that'll be really interesting. So I think they're going to be probably up against it. I mean, there's no secret that their budget is going to be one of the, the smallest in, in the league. So that they are going to be fighting a, a relegation battle. I don't think there's any doubt about that, but... Um, you can you can guarantee when men like Berlusconi and Galliani are involved in a club, there will always be stories. There will always be headlines, and there will, there will be you know, a lot for sort of commentators and journalists like me to, to get our teeth into, no doubt. And I suspect, I suspect, knowing those two guys and how experienced they are as well, that they will be wily. They will, they will probably make some good moves in the market, and they'll probably surprise a few people. As well, I mean, the fact that they're just in Serie A is a, is a quite remarkable achievement, actually. Yeah, they've done really well, mate. All right, before we let you go, uh, here is the uh, here are the odds for the uh, for the title: two seventy on Inter Milan. They are the favourites. Two eighty on Juve. The defending champions, AC Milan, at four fifty. Roma at nine fifty. Uh, where are you putting your hard earned? Yeah, if if I had to predict the top four as it is today, and I and I. This is probably, I, I wouldn't put a huge face in this, to be honest, because I think it'd be very close, but I would say Inter to win it, Milan second, Juve third, and Roma fourth. That that would be my, but as I say, I, I don't, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if, if it were different to that, because I think it will be very close. Good stuff, Adam. Hey, listen, mate, thanks very much for coming on and having a chat. I know how much you're fizzing uh, for the season. I can't wait for it to get underway. Yeah. So go well, mate. Now, look forward to hearing you call on BT Sports over here. Thank you, mate. Good to speak to you. Have a good day. Yeah, you too, mate. You too.